the KCLR Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online and on smart speaker. I'm joined in studio uh, in person for the first time by Kathy Wheatley, Wicklow woman. Ah, no, we did this. We did this. Um, now, look, look, Etna is even did it. We did it on purpose, Etna. Don't panic because she's not a Wicklow woman. She's a Kilkenny woman, and her own mother gives out to her every time anybody in the media addresses her or introduces her as a Wicklow woman. You're not a Wicklow woman. No, I'm not. I'm from the Kavanagh family of Dean Kavanagh Place. I'm very much a Kilkenny woman, and yeah, Mammy does be going crazy shouting and roaring but well, uh, Mammy we're sorry for winding you up but she is of course a Kilkenny woman Cathy Wheatley we got it right here at KCLR we leave all the rest of the media get it wrong um, great to have you in oh great to see you lots and lots and lots to talk about um, almost where do we start I, I think probably we we start with Ted and Elsie yeah you know Ted and Elsie um, where are they now in the car here? Yeah, not by themselves. Nobody talk, called Tusla or anything. It's fine. They're downstairs <laughs> with their daddy. <laughs> well, you should have brought them up. Da- daddy Keith, I think, um, if you're listening. Um, bring Ted and Elsie up. I'd love to meet them. Um, how long have they been in your life now? Uh, so they're four, they were four in November. So we're four and a bit years on and it just gets better all the time. I, For me, yesterday, Valentine's Day, I, about love. And I was looking at my husband and I said, no disrespect, but there's no love like it you know um there's just not i'm my heart is full Mm. um they're amazing and your story it goes back to before ted and elsie doesn't it yeah we our first little girl baby helen um we lost baby helen i had spontaneous uterine rupture at seven months pregnant um so baby helen was still born and um after that life just went on a downward spiral you know my mental health suffered greatly um i was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress everything was very very difficult i um had a back problem i had quad equina so i ended up in a wheelchair for nine months um and so yeah life was hard and i suppose you never know what turn life is going to take because like when I was in that wheelchair, I didn't know if I was coming out of the wheelchair. Uh, mentally, to be honest, I didn't even know if I wanted to be here anymore. My baby had died and uh, I couldn't envisage a life without having children because not only did Helen die, but also my uterus was so badly damaged that there um, there wasn't much chance of me being able to carry my own children. Did you think at that stage that you're... Um, the journey into motherhood that I suppose you were so looking forward to, so longing for, was over? Yes, 100%. And not only did I think it was over, but I really thought my life was over as well because I couldn't see a world, I couldn't see a life for me, a family, without having children in it. Um, and I adore my husband. He is the reason, him and my family are the reason why I'm still here. But I mean, I had very dark days, Brian. It was very, very difficult. Um, And so it's those times that you think, what's the point? That was, I was going to say a double whammy, but probably a triple whammy because apart from your own physical challenges that you had after that episode, um, you had to deal with the grief of, of losing Helen. And you were dealing with the grief at that stage of thinking that, that journey was over. That yeah. must have been really, really difficult. It was impossible. How, can I ask, yeah. how difficult was it for Keith? Very hard. It was very hard for him, I suppose, as um, 
as a man, you know, he has to be the strong one. He doesn't have to be, but society dictates that that's the case. Um, and when a baby dies, everybody is very much concentrated on the mother, you know. Um, and even when people talk to men, they say, how's your wife? How is she? Nobody actually asks how you are. So it's um, it was hard for him and it was very hard then to to be able to to keep me, I suppose, motivated for life um, and it was really a testament to his love for me and our love for each other that we we got through what we went through in terms of the death of Helen the psychological effects afterwards the physical effects um, and then even the time that I a surrogacy was first introduced to us and I was asking this man who was from a rural village in County Wicklow to uh, basically go ahead and do surrogacy and um, yeah he he trusted in me um, and I think he knew that that was our only way um, but what was quite funny was I was listening to the fireman segment earlier and what was quite funny was I was so worried about how people would react to it and all the farmers in the village literally just said sure we're doing that with the cows for years <laughs> <laughs> there was not, not, no, no problem you know what I mean whatsoever um, and how long did it take you to get to the point um, at that phase of, mm-hmm. of, of this journey through life that you're experiencing um, to be able to open yourself to the idea of surrogacy yeah so Helen died in 2014 um, you know we were nowhere near ready to even think about anything for a long time after that um, but we did start to do the process of we looked at adoption and fostering fostering was something that just wasn't for us at the time because yeah. I felt like I've already had to give one baby back um, I, I wouldn't be able for it you know and in the best interest of the child that's what fostering is you know you you do what you can for the child while they have them but reuni- reunification with their family is what's most important um, in proper circumstances and so that wasn't for us because of my medical issues we weren't um, we didn't meet the criteria for adoption um, and you know every door's been closed all the time and then because I wouldn't give up I then thought the doctors only said I might not be able to. Nobody gave me a hundred percent that I wouldn't be able to, okay. and so I did three rounds of IVF. Um, we got lovely, healthy embryos, and we implanted them into me. And it wasn't until the third failure that the doctor, Doctor Luda, said to me, and I'll never forget the day she said it. But I'm so grateful that she did. And we didn't know how it was going to turn out and how it would end up. But she said to me, implanting these embryos into your uterus is like putting them into a war zone because it just was never going to work. It was too badly damaged. And so that was when surrogacy became a real option. People like us don't do surrogacy, Brian. They do, but we didn't know at the time yeah. that they did. You know, Why don't people like you do surrogacy? I suppose there's just such a... Um, misconception that it's like celebrities and people with money and people you know who who opt for surrogacy but I really believe that surrogacy isn't a choice it's it usually is your last resort at having a family um and did you feel it was a last resort that was open to you or had your last resort being those three embryos. Yeah, the last resort for me at the time was the three embryos, the money that we spent on doing the IVF and doing all that. And then I suppose one of the things that we don't talk quite a lot about is um, I actually got pregnant again, naturally. And so we thought this was our 
miracle, our second miracle after Helen. Um, but unfortunately, I miscarried. Um, and that was because of the uterus wasn't able to carry it. Um, and so that was really, that was rock bottom for us when we realised, OK, we need to do something. One of the biggest concerns, Brian, was money. You know, like we had... How to, much does a round of, of IVF... Oh, a round of IVF cost? is like five or six thousand at the time it was anyway. Um, and then all the other things on top of it. So we'd already spent from specialists and doing all that, we'd spent the bones of 25,000 um, euros. So we had nothing left, like we had nothing. Um, and so in order to pursue surrogacy, we had to remortgage our house. And it was, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know if you should remortgage the house. And I was like, for me personally, what's the good in having a house? I want a home. Yeah. I want a family. I want to fill it with the love and laughter of children. And so we made that decision um, and we went ahead. And so Ukraine was the place that we went because the laws are very, very strong in Ukraine in terms of um, the surrogate mother um, in terms of the child's best interests. Um, there's lots of things. You have to be married. You have to have a medical reason for not going through surrogacy, all that sort of stuff. And uh, where did you get all of that information from? Are there supports and help centres and advice organisations here in Ireland to specifically support people who are considering surrogacy? Well, at the time there wasn't, Brian, but I'm going to give my little organisation a plug here now because um, me and some other mommies uh, originally set up Irish families through surrogacy. Ted and Elsie were a year old and we, you know, the worst thing that you can do in a situation for surrogacy is Google because you don't know, you know, what's real and what's paid for and what's not. And, um, you know, people need support and they need advice and guidance. And one of the first things that I did do was I went to Annette Hickey. She's a Kilkenny solicitor, Annette. Um, I went to Annette Hickey and we started... Um, to ask her advice and she had done surrogacy previously um, with some couples and so it was very at that point we knew where we stood legally you know but I'll never forget the day that I found out that I'd never be legally recognised as their mother oh, That's a whole other conversation <laughs> we, 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 We'll come to that believe me we will come to that um, So you've gotten some information you've gotten some advice what's the next step? So Dr. Luda, who was our doctor in Ireland, was from Ukraine and she had worked in a clinic called Intersano over there. Um, and some Irish couples had used the clinic Intersano. Um, and we were then put in touch with, um, through Annette, actually, at the time we were put in touch with um, Brian and Cathy Egan, um, who have been on Radio Kilkenny as well with their story. And so you know they started to support us in what practical things we needed to do like we're very much not the first people to do this we weren't trailblazers we just followed the the information that was there um, and the Department of Foreign Affairs had given a list of what needed to be done in order to bring your child back to Ireland so that's all we kept doing was just going through the list ticking the boxes making sure that it was okay and that list leads you to Ivana yeah Hullup. yeah um, she becomes pregnant with your children yeah um, she carries those two children for nine months, <clears throat> gives birth to them um, and then hands them to you. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, we always like to say, or Ivana likes to say, she gave them back to me, um, yeah, which nice. I think is lovely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and and uh, she's a very special woman. And so, yeah, she gave them back to me and we were in Ukraine at that point. And so the exit process takes about three weeks. So during that point, um, we have to do DNA tests. You know, there's lots of, of things that need to be done. So um, we did that. And so we got to spend some more time with Ivana. Um, and we had already built up 
a lovely connection with her. And I think the clinic knew that I needed somebody who was going to hold my hand because of the loss of baby Helen. And Ivana very much was that person. And the two of us are very similar in, in our outlook on life. And so we met her and I knew that she was always going to be part of our lives. And I think I say in the documentary that, um, one of the sayings that Nanny used to always say was that people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. But Ivana went on to become a much bigger part of your life than Mm -hmm. maybe you had envisaged Um, when the war in Ukraine broke out. You were at that stage home here in Ireland with your two beautiful children, um, still connected to Ivana. And tell me, what did you feel the day or when was the moment that you realised that this invasion of Ukraine uh, by Russian forces was going to be something that would affect everybody in Ukraine for uh, a long time. Yeah, I think, at the, you know, when you hear the news originally and, you know, it's very hard, I think, for people to identify with what's happening. Sometimes, you you know, you, you try and disconnect because you can't emotionally deal with it, um, like what's happening in Gaza and still in Ukraine. But... Um, But with this, you know, we knew the places they were talking about. We'd walk the streets. Um, My phone calls with Ivana went from, how are you? She'd just had a new baby, her own baby. Um, Went from that to being like, she'd start the conversation with, I'm alive. Everything's okay," And that was unbelievable. And so because that was the state that they were in at that stage, mm -hmm. that the minimum basic requirement on a day to day basis was just survival. Yeah, just I'm alive. Had you got much contact with Ivana directly at this stage? Was that even possible through phones or what was... Uh, Yeah, no, no, we did. It was was sketchy, you know what I mean? Um, But we did have contact. uh, But obviously every time that, you know, the phone doesn't connect or she doesn't answer, you're... You think the worst. You think the worst. You're automatically thinking, you know, and I'm looking at my two kids who wouldn't be here without her and her, you know, three beautiful children over there and just thinking, I need to do something, Mm. anything. And you did. I did, yeah. <laughs> what was it? What did you do? Yeah, so I you have to... send her a food parcel <laughs> or anything like that. You oh, we did, did all that. <laughs> and we helped all the people. So within two weeks, so we did we did everything that we could. Um, so I hopped on a plane to um, Romania because that was the closest border I could get to. Um, and I had contacted um, the Scottish guys who were like, heroes going around saving people so they'd um, successfully exited Rachel um, from Carlo the medical student and so I knew you know they were the real deal but unfortunately I had to convince Ivana to get in a car with two guys she never met before in her life um, and so because I'd lived in Scotland I'd worked and studied in Scotland for nine years I told her they were my friends and um, so she and must it, have thought you had some very powerful friends she's hilarious because she just she, she says nothing surprises her about me so <laughs> she was just like okay no problem um, and so I was then in a car heading to the south border of Romania and um, unfortunately we got a call to say they couldn't cross there the bridge had been blown up and so we went through the night up to the northern town and I didn't you know, have any contacts there. But my brother, Stephen Mungovan, is the um, he's the uh, manager of Twilight Community Group here in Kilkenny. And so they have a lot of contacts abroad. Mm. And so I rang him and he was like, I don't know, I'll see what I can do. Um, but of course, I'll do my best. And then within five minutes, he'd come back to me with a number for a Romanian guy called Levu. I always say his name wrong, from Kilkenny, living in Kilkenny. And then he got in contact with a guy called Valley. And all of a sudden I had a van, I had a driver and I had people who was willing to take me into Ukraine because that was the bit that I suppose was the hardest. But this must have been 
scary for you, right? Because you had gone through so many years of trying to have your own family. Mm-hmm. You'd now been blessed with, with two beautiful children. Here they are back in safe Ireland and, and you're crossing the border. You could have lost them all again. I suppose at the time I didn't think about that. I just kept thinking. No, I, I won't say I didn't think about it. I did. One of the last things that I did before crossing into Ukraine was I rang my friend Kira Lanigan and I said to her, she had my kids and I said, let me see them. And she went, what are you doing? Instantly she was like, what are you doing? And she knew by me, you know. Um, and I said, I'm going to have to go in and get Ivana. They won't make it because of the curfew. So they're going to have to drop her on the side of the road. She's not even in a refugee camp. I have to go. Um, because the reality was, Brian, at that point, people were being shot on the side of the road. Yeah. If they weren't, you know, in somewhere and, and missed the curfew, then there were no rules with what was going on. And we'd heard stories, we'd seen it. I mean, even Ivana sent me videos of when they were traveling, you know, through Ukraine and to see the devastation. I mean, the, the boys saw people being shot, her little kids, you know, they saw cars being burnt out. They saw horrific things. Um and so, yeah, I looked at the kids and I thought, OK, I wouldn't have them. Like I say all the time, she carried my family and it was my time to carry hers. Mm. So so eventually you, you got to Ivana, Ivana got to you. Yeah. Um, you managed to get back across the border. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask the details. No, no, that you... <laughs> go on for hours and hours and hours. Of how you managed to we do that. We need a feature film for that, Brian. Well, the girls are working on it. <laughs> you're, you're getting close to it because you've got this uh, new Netflix documentary entitled uh, Two Mothers, um, focusing on, on this story. Is it out yet? Yeah, so the story is the um, Invisible Tread Films um Anna Rogers and Zlata. Now, I can never say Zlata's name. Philip, I can't say it. She'll kill me. But anyway. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons why I suppose that I was so compelled to go for Ivana was Zlata had been in, in the Bosnian War and had escaped the Bosnian War. She wrote a diary when she was 13. And I had read that. So I knew the realities of what was going to face Ivana's kids. Um and so I had met Slata when we were doing the Tyrone Productions, You, Me and Surrogacy um, documentary. And so we'd become friends. And yeah, so they, the, the girls were like, OK, let's, um, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Ukraine. And they were like, oh, my God, we can't, we don't have time to come with you, but we need to do this. So take some video diaries. So I did. Um, and then those video diaries turned into a pitch that the girls gave to Netflix Um So Netflix basically have a documentary talent fund where they um, fund young filmmakers. Well, they don't have to be young, but new filmmakers in order to... It's not massive money. I think it's... it's 30,000 euros. To be honest with you, by the time the girls got that money, they'd probably already spent it because they had come to us the day... They were there at the airport when we got home. Um, And they were just so compelled to tell this story because they knew us and they knew our family. Um, And so Anna... Rogers and her brother Hugh Rogers they're from Kilkenny she told me to tell you she they were born in not even hospital <laughs> yeah um, so they're from Kilkenny and uh, so they decided that the, the story that they were going to use for connection was me and Ivana's and yeah so it became a Netflix 12 minute short documentary it's like a trailer <laughs> well you, you said you mentioned feature films a few moments ago and you said it's now like a trailer we can see potentially where this story is going it's a massive story already, a journey 
through parenthood. In- well, the studio's just gotten a little bit busy before the ad break. We were talking to Cathy Weekly. Uh, we've been joined by the rest of the gang. They were downstairs um, uh, in the car eating marshmallows. Yeah, that was it. Keith is here. And more importantly, Ted Nelson here as well. Ted, will you say hello to everybody in the radio? Say hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, good <laughs> Elsie, I don't know whether you know, but your nana, I think, is probably listening. Will she you is. say? Will you say hi, nana? Say hi to nanny. Hi, nanny. <laughs> uh, she's gone all quiet. Yeah. Listen, um, this is hilarious that they're, they're, they are never quiet. It just makes me laugh. Well, there you go. It's great to have them in. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, surrogacy. Mm-hmm. So you've got this beautiful family. Um, let's be frank, not recognised by the state. No, I'm not. You're not. <laughs> no, Kathy's no. not, yeah, as, as, as it stands at the moment, though. Um, I'm a, their dad officially, um, but Kathy isn't actually recognised. Keith, I know it's mom. not a matter to joke about, but does Cathy uh, ever use that legal status? As a, they're not my children. It's up to you to sort them out. From that no, point no, 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 no. The it definitely doesn't. No. Sometimes they're, they're, they're a bit of a laugh. The about about here, yeah, yeah. No, the only thing I ever say to him is, one minute else, Mammy has to talk into that. <laughs> they're finding their feet, that's Mommy for sure. Mammy probably doesn't need a microphone. Uh, no, the only thing I ever say to him, Brian, is I say, well, I can never leave you. Cause <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're definitely finding their feet now. There's yeah. no doubt oh about that God. at all. Um, Keith, in terms of, of that that challenge going forward, um, it's mm. it's one that maybe you don't want to necessarily be a um, an advocate for, but that's the situation that you find yourself in. Yeah, that's the situation we found ourselves in, and uh, so Cathy is very strong-willed. <laughs> I would be more of a background person. <laughs> so um, yeah, so once Cathy gets on board with anything, that's it. It's, it's more or less uh, going to happen. <laughs> so uh, all I can do is, is support her. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have much choice, I but it's go with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Never work with children and animals, isn't that what they say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can imagine the documentary makers. So like they're on a farm with sheep chickens, hens, ducks, they're all coming in and out two kids and then Ivana's kids so five yeah. kids, a farm, it was crazy Very briefly Cathy, what do we need changed in Irish law to be able to recognise the four of you Well, your one is blowing raspberries here, the devil um, <laughs> so yeah, what we need is, um, there's the AHR bill is going through um, committee stage at the moment and what we need is, we need, listen to this one Are you doing that to the government because they don't recognise mommy? <laughs> The government, yeah, remember the government, when you eh? said, hey, government, sort it out. She's my mummy. Um, this one's a devil. Uh, yeah, so what we need is we need for, I suppose, people to realise that it is ordinary, everyday people whose lives are affected um, and our family and lots of Kilkenny families. Actually, Kilkenny has one of the highest rates of surrogacy um, around the whole country. So it's... Um, what we need is we need it to go through. We need the AHR bill to be signed off and we need to finally, finally be recognised as the family that we are. Yeah, it's um, lots to do. Um, <laughs> all with the challenge of having this pair in the house. Uh, Keith, did you manage to remember that yesterday was Valentine's Day? I did, I surely did, yeah. He did very well yesterday, yeah. We, uh, we, we toasted some marshmallows, all of us together, and mm, yeah. I got some lovely flowers. And yeah, yeah had a lovely day. He's getting better. He's getting better, <laughs> finally, after all this time. Yeah. It's it's an amazing story um, to this point. Lots more still to go. And you were telling me that uh, that 
documentary series is available now for people to check out on mm-hmm. the YouTube it's channel. It's on the Netflix YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, Netflix channel called Still Watching. Um, it's uh, it's not on Netflix itself. Um, if it was, maybe we'd have some money, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's on the YouTube Netflix channel. Well, Ted and Elsie have uh, all of a sudden gotten very comfortable at home here in the studio. <laughs> they're uh, they're waving at the people out, the rest of the team out through the uh, the hatch in through the window. Um, for now, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on. Check it out and. Uh, We'll speak to you again, I'm sure, at some point as this journey continues. But for now, Keith, Cathy, Ted and Elsie. Say bye to Brian. Everybody say goodbye. But they're waving. Lads, this waving. is radio. No, shout, shout goodbye. You know, Brian, they're used to being filmed. Oh, sorry, apologies. Yeah, well, we'll have to get them on film another time. So we'll be back with more in just okay, a moment. thank you. The KCL or Daily with Brian Redmond. On air, online and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie.